Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life podcast. My name is Michelle Burkhardt, and I'm your host. Today, we're talking about the effects of trauma. So this is a topic that has come up, uh, I, I can't even tell you how many times in the last several weeks with coaching clients, uh, and then in a couple groups that I'm in. Um, so I have a personal experience in this topic. If you've listened to the podcast, you know a little bit about my story. Um, but I also have some unique training in this. I've had dozens of hours of uh, training on trauma and uh, looking at helping uh, caregivers, providers, parents, people who are working with early childhood on how to overcome those effects of trauma. Um, I've done that kind of work for years and years. But there's a, a thing that happens with trauma that I don't think a lot of people understand. So I really wanna talk about that. First of all, what is trauma, right? Um, trauma is sure, there's certain things that we know of that, that are, are very traumatic, right? So, you know, any, any of the abuses, so physical, sexual, emotional abuse, we know that that's traumatic. Uh, we can have events that happen in our life. So if you have a, a car crash, right, that can be traumatic. Um, the, the loss or death of a loved one. So if, if you lose a parent, let's say because uh, of divorce and you don't see them anymore, or they go to jail and you don't see them anymore, or they die, right? So the loss or death. So there's a lot of things that can be traumatic, right? There are other events that can also be traumatic, um, and it really depends on that person deciding whether it's trauma for them or not, okay? However, I really want to focus today on what happens uh, when you have trauma, okay? So let's say you have uh, a traumatic event, Okay, so whatever you think that that might be for yourself or think back to your past, what traumatic event have you had, right? After the event, there was some sort of follow-up, okay? So let's say, uh, we'll use an easy one, you're in a car crash, okay? So you're maybe three, four, or five years old, you're in a car crash, you end up getting a cut on your arm, you've got to have stitches, and this becomes a traumatic event for you right? Okay. So the event itself can definitely be traumatic, but the follow-up afterwards can either help or harm you more. Okay. So think about this. You're, you're a child that's hurt. You go to the emergency room. You have lots of people who are caring for you. Um, they're, you know, really showing you a lot of love. Your, your parents or whoever your caregivers are, are really taking good care of you you know, you get the stickers and you get the stuffed animals and, you know, uh, they make a really big deal out of you being so brave, right? So you could have had that traumatic event, but the follow-up after lessens the impact of the trauma. It still becomes significant, but it's not significant because of the trauma necessarily. It's significant because the follow-up was so awesome, okay? Now, what if you have bad follow-up, okay? So let's say you're, you know, walking down the street, you fall down, you get a skinned knee. Uh, it's really not that big of a deal, but yet in your little mind, you're like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me, you know? And you, you go and you get no caregiver support, okay? 
or you're in the accident, you go to the emergency room, you're ignored, you're, you know, not really well taken care of. Now you have not just the, the initial traumatic event, but you, the follow-up afterwards that didn't really help you. Right? So it's like adding insult to injury, literally. Okay. That has an effect on you. Now, what happens if you have a traumatic event, very little follow-up, and then you have another traumatic event, something similar, okay? This, this is what happens when children are in environments where, you know, it's not the most loving or supportive or their parents are doing the best that they can with what they know and have. They just might not know a lot or have a lot. Okay. So maybe you're exposed to, let's say physical abuse and there's the initial event. Uh, uh, there was no follow-up afterwards. You know, there was no apology for, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, and then you had another event following that. And again, no follow-up after, and it now becomes a way of life. Okay. So this is what makes it very difficult when you're dealing with trauma and people because everybody's going to have their own experience. So I've, I've been in trainings before where I'm helping people and, and someone will talk about trauma and from their experience, they had one or two traumatic events in their life with excellent follow-up. And so their perception of trauma is very different than the person who comes to me and says, I've been in 32 foster homes in my life and I've experienced all the abuses with no follow-up. Okay. Their experience of trauma is very different. So what are the effects? Because I think this is really important when we're talking about changing our thinking so that we can change our life. We have to understand what the effect of trauma has been on us inside us so we can begin to do some of that that healing work okay okay so say you have that car crash as a little child and you have excellent follow-up right so you because of that follow-up are developing resilience which is basically the tools the skills the habits the attitudes of being able to take a bad situation and turn it into something good right people in your life are helping you be resilient this is why if you study um, the aces adverse childhood experiences research which if you've never looked into that and you're interested in trauma go Google ACEs right now. Okay. So if you look into that, you'll find that there are 10 experiences that when you have them in childhood, they can, um, open you up to the possibility of some pretty damaging, uh, you know, diseases, illnesses, uh, and issues in life. Now it's all about follow-up. <laughs> so it doesn't mean that you will have those issues. Uh, but you're, you're more susceptible. One of the issues that a lot of people point out when I do the training is that, uh, how come like the death of a parent isn't on that list of 10 experiences and the research doesn't show that you're going to have significant impairments or, or issues later in life if you lose a parent. And I think the reasoning is when you have a loss of a parent like that, typically you have people in your, your community, your tribe, your family, um, that, that come along to support. 
right? And so the follow-up is really good. So you have more resilience after that particular trauma. So it's not going to cause the issues that some of the other ones are. So many of those experiences on the list, honestly, um, they are done in, uh, in secrecy, they're hidden, and there's not a lot of follow-up, okay? Now, if you have bad follow-up after one event, it, it, it is significant, right? It's uh, a missed opportunity for resilience. Um, there's definitely some, some damage that can be done. It can have a lasting impact on you, right? So you're, you know, if you're in a car crash and you have this experience, maybe you have some fears of being in a car, right? Or being, uh, you know, with a doctor or having stitches, and it can have a, 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 an effect on your self-image, right? So whether it be, oh, no, I have the scar to, you know, um, I'm not safe, right? But the most damaging trauma is really where you have one event, bad follow-up, a second event, and then bad follow-up. Whether it is repeated after that or not, the, the research actually shows us that if you have two bad events with two bad follow-up experiences, you are now downloading into your subconscious because this has now become a pattern, right? And remember, for those of us who, who are really interested in the mind, uh, a child doesn't have conscious, awake, aware, alert, logical knowledge of how to make the world work until they're about seven or eight years old. So for those first seven or eight years, you now have, um, you know, the, all of these beliefs you're downloading over time and you're not choosing them. Okay. So you have a pattern that's developed. You're, you're downloading these beliefs about yourself, about others, about how the world works. You've got a lot of, of, uh, beliefs about safety, right? So what, in whatever you believe about safety on top of that is totally up, up to you. Um, but you will have a lot of beliefs around safety, whether that's like, I now need to be ultra safe and I have to be in control of everything, or you just feel like everything is going to be unsafe and you're just a victim. Okay. Also, this is one thing that a lot of people, um, they, they don't understand is that when you have these traumas and it can be any trauma, right? Um, but in particular, when you've got some of the biggies, right? So, so let's say, um, physical, emotional, sexual abuse over and over and over again. Um, you can, what we call dissociate. Okay. So, uh, I was listening to somebody giving, a. I don't know. It was some crime show that the kids were watching the other day and somebody was talking about an event that happened. And he said, I just, you know, went out of my body and I was observing everything. That's very common. That's what we call dissociate. Okay. Um, it is a way for you to protect yourself in the moment so that you are not feeling all the things. Okay. Now, what happens is, especially if you've got these repeated patterns of trauma, is that you will get used to dissociating. And as you go about life, whenever you enter into a realm that is, uh, you know, your subconscious interprets as unsafe, you can dissociate. That means uh, if you're having a conversation with, say, a spouse or a loved one, 
and it's nearing the place where you're feeling very uncomfortable or you're having a lot of feelings and you weren't allowed to have feelings before, you could dissociate. So you could try to lead the conversation. You could just kind of break down. You could go foggy. Um, there's a lot of ways that you could dissociate because you've developed this pattern now of this is how I deal with my issues. Now, one thing that happens when you dissociate is that you have this feeling of being ungrounded. So you are not connected to your body. You're not connected to the earth probably not connected to other people. And so uh, one of the things that happens after you have an experience of this ungroundedness is that you subconsciously, so this is probably not even a choice unless you're aware of this, subconsciously you're going to choose something so that you can feel grounded again. So what that means is, um, you know, you, you might choose foods. Foods are very common. Um, foods that make you feel grounded uh, include a lot of carbohydrates and sugars. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's very interesting. I'm, I, I'm getting to know a lot of uh, very spiritually minded folks that are really uh, kind of out there, but I'm, I'm going with it. Uh, and many of them are very tiny people and they eat very little food uh, and they meditate and they do all of these things. But the one thing that they have in common is sugar. They're like sugar fanatics. And the reason why is because when you are having all of these great, wonderful spiritual experiences, in order to feel grounded and down to earth again, sugar is the quickest way to do that. Okay. Chocolate for sure is, is a biggie. Um, so when we say that I, you know, I'm, I'm overeating all of this junk food or the comfort food, right? That's a clear sign that you have dissociated and you're trying to ground. So what, what I experience for myself and with others is that oftentimes when we're, when we're doing that, we don't realize we're trying to ground. We don't realize what just occurred, right? Because again, it's a subconscious thing. It's happening without our conscious knowledge. And so we, we go and we, you know, eat a, a half a tub of ice cream. And now we enter into blame, shame, and guilting ourselves because we just did that. Like I'm a horrible person because I just did that. But if you truly understand, wait a minute, I'm trying to get grounded. Okay. If I'm trying to get grounded, what does that mean? That means I wasn't grounded before. Oh, what does that mean? That means I was probably dissociating. What happened that caused that? So if you know uh, a fight with your spouse or um, a, a, a challenge with your child or a difficult conversation with a coworker or a boss always sends you to, you know, whatever your comfort food is, aha, now we know what we need to deal with, okay? And typically it's connected to those traumas we had in childhood, Okay. And, you know, we, because of those traumas, we, we have dealt in, uh, you know, some changes in our self-image. So am I going to be a person that can stand up to challenges or am I going to be a person that just says, yep, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop in life. Uh, nothing's ever going to go my way, right? The kind of that victim mentality. Um, and so it's important for us to, to realize that as we're uh, going through the holy struggle, of our self-image, see if there's a connection with any of that trauma, okay? 
Now, you know, bad follow-up, of course, makes that worse. Um, and things like an overabundance of independence. Uh, if you, if you, that can be a self-image that you have, that you have to be in control, that you have to be good at everything you do, um, that you have to be superwoman. <laughs> now I'm talking about myself here, right? Because that gives you some level of safety, security, and control. However, if you are the one to do it all on your own all the time, you will eventually fail. And that failure often signifies you to, you know, dissociate. And now we're going to do behaviors to get us grounded that are probably not healthy, like drinking water, you know, eating a piece of dark chocolate, getting outside into nature, right? And you're not going to have those close connections with other people. So that's been something I've really been challenging myself. So do you see the difference between you're a little kid that had the car crash and you had excellent, amazing follow-up? that you're going to build the self-esteem of, you know, when things go bad in my life, there's always people around to help me. So then, you know, when you grow up, guess what? You take that self-image with you. But do you also see how you could be the same kid with really bad follow-up and then repeat experiences like that over and over again? And you realize, oh man, I got to do this all on my own. Nobody's coming to help me. Okay. That's what we're talking about. So just because you have a trauma doesn't mean anything, um, but how that trauma was really experienced, how it was followed up, was it one event, you know, that was in isolation with years apart or was it a pattern? So I really just gift this idea to you um, as an opportunity for you to really think about for yourself, what traumas have you experienced in life? particularly in the first eight years of your life. And how was that treated? What was the follow-up like? And what did you learn about yourself and others and how the world works? And how does that apply to your adult life right now? And then consider, you know, are you, um, are you dissociating when, uh, you know, the wild and crazy and chaotic things happen in life? And what are you doing in order to ground? What's your pattern? And then, you know, maybe even think about what else could you do? So for example, when I realize that I'm grounding, uh, I, I, you know, my, maybe I'm, I'm overeating, which is typically my pattern, or um, I, I'm watching bad shows on Netflix, right? Which is also a way to dissociate. You're not grounded in your body. When I notice that I'm doing these behaviors in order to feel grounded, I will do a couple things. One, I'll reach out to a friend, even if, even if it's just on text, because I feel like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm getting the relational aspect in. Uh, I'll go outside as soon as I can, uh, particularly touching a tree and when it's not minus 10 degrees, uh, putting my feet on the ground because that really does help. Um, or one of the things that I found for myself and it might work for you too, is going and actually, um, not just washing my hands, but running my hands under almost really cold water, uh, for as long as I can stand it, because there, there's such a, there's a feeling that happens when you do that. Uh, and that would be groundedness. Okay. So, Take this for what it's worth. Do your work. Um, see what comes up for you. And if you need help, let me know, okay?
Awesome. So with that, I release you into the wild. Go forth and prosper. Have an amazing day. We'll catch you next time. All right. Bye-bye.